0: Hello everyone, my name is Paula Española, you're listening to Hidden Apron Radio, and welcome to episode zero. So whether you've stumbled on this podcast through the internet searching around, or you're one of our friends and supporters, or you're our number one fan, aka my mom, hi ma. Uh, Either way, thank you so much for listening to this very first episode I'm really, really grateful for your time Uh, I know myself, you know, looking at all the food articles that I'm struggling to keep up with any given week Just how many things you could focus your attention on Between all the other podcasts and articles and books and BuzzFeed lists and celebrity stories and Snapchats The fact that you're even spending just 10 seconds listening to this means a lot to me and the crew So if you've already heard our other episodes, feel free to skip this one. Uh, this is really more of a background episode, uh, but I think there's some, you know, some of our values and why we're doing this podcast are in here. So, you know, it it sets a good stage for why we do what we do. Uh, just a bit of background: this show really came out of a time when I had spent food blogging last year, especially when I got to meet all these amazing, amazing people in the food industry, and when I try to write about them. I would struggle with it. It would take me weeks sometimes because I wouldn't know how to put their words on paper in the right way to get the sentiment that I wanted. You know, I, Between all the formatting and the photos, I would always have this fear that I would twist their words and not be able to communicate in the same way that they've inspired me. And so I really thought, well, why not just let them talk straight to you guys and start a podcast? And so this is really where... Hidden Apron Radio started. Now, if you haven't noticed uh, from the description or the name itself, if it isn't clear, this is a food focused podcast. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we're only going to be talking about, you know, quote unquote, the food porn or things that belong on Instagram, like that new, I don't know, pseudo pastry that all the foodie trendsetters are struggling to take a picture before they eat it. Uh, Or some new iteration of the avocado toast or the top 10 things you just have to devour this month Uh, We're not only going to talk to famous chefs or esteemed restaurateurs Uh, Hopefully if I manage to get some of their time, we're certainly going to pick their brains, right? But we're going to focus on finding ways to make people more aware of the larger picture around food So the issues and nuances that surround food from the production, its consumption, Uh, The culture around it and how our relationship over time evolves around food So we're going to have a chance to hear from a broad group of people People in policy, uh, pop-up chefs like myself, large-scale caterers, professors, um, academics And of course, more importantly, home cooks just like you and I Who are really just regular people living extraordinary lives here we're going to talk about you know the bare bones techniques that can help you cook and dine a little better, that are simple enough that anyone can pick up, um, the fascinating, fascinating news that underlies the world of food, and there's certainly a lot out there, and of course the awesome stories that surround our food. So we'll dig into the philosophy, the psychology, the nerdery, and the history around food. and. Another reason why I'm doing this personally and why it means a lot to me is that it's another way for me to fulfill my somewhat crazy dream of making everyone in the world a chef. That's right. I'd like to figure out if there is a way to make everyone in the world find the aprons tucked away deep in their closets and become chefs. I think it's a it's a concept that I'm going to continuously return to throughout this and future episodes of making the world uh, a world full of chefs. So I, I think for most people, that's a very controversial term, right? It's a very loaded term. And I think the definition of a chef has been debated countless times. It's caused many a heated argument. And, you know, you'll see certain vitriolic comments on the Internet sometimes about it. And I think some people say, oh, you know, a chef is someone who prepares food and he prepares it really, really well. With such technical mastery that they could probably create macaroons with nothing more than a bowl, some egg whites, the dust from their windowsill, and a coat hanger while leaping buildings in a single bound. And that's a chef. Others say that, you know, chefs are just really people who elevate the dining experience beyond the actual cooking and eating. These are the uh, the pornographers who can prepare sauces tableside and and their Their restaurants and, and, you know, venues are so well lit that you don't need a filter for your Instagram and their seductive service would bring any Puritan diner who lives on lean cuisines to his or her knees. There's also the more militant definition that insists that, you know, chefs can only be born from the fires of the line and they have to go through this brutal initiation of a thousand cuts and a million burns from sleep-deprived marathon shifts to hungover brunch services, and they have to have this near-fanatical dedication to the executive chef. Um, and those are all definitions I've heard. I'm sure there's some validity in all of that. But instead, with this episode and with the future ones, I'd like instead to present a, a kinder definition of a chef, one that I truly, truly believe we all need to consider if we are to continue enjoying uh, and having a healthy relationship with food into the near future So quick story, um, I was trying to think of of the first chef I remember meeting uh, Because it wasn't, you know, I, it's not a term that I grew up with And I think the very first chef that I remember meeting was someone at the Heartland restaurant in St. Paul, Minnesota uh, Probably five or six years ago Um, I was still in college. I was at a farmer's market nearby the restaurant for a college project and one of the things I had to do was to interview local chefs. And so I I walked into this restaurant. I remember sitting by the window um, and I ordered something with eggs. You know, it was the good runny kind, the one that goes like with a Bloody Mary cocktail and there was like a thick slice of bacon in the cocktail. It was really good. I also remember being shocked when I asked the waitress if it were possible to schedule some time to speak with the chef, because uh, the chef not only came out to our table, but right then and there, he actually offered to speak once I had finished with my meal. The chef's name was Lenny Russo. So you're probably thinking, okay, well, that's weird, because for 20 years of your life, you're saying you've never met a single chef? Like, that's, that's just insane. I grew up as a Chinese Filipino in Saudi Arabia, and we never really had an obvious concept of a chef. You know, sure, there was a lot of cooks visible at the restaurants. Food was a very big part of the culture, and there were restaurants all over the city. But that's kind of all they were to us. They were just cooks. And and when good food was presented at a get-together, uh, even if it was well-plated, no one really praised the parents or the family members by calling them, oh, he or she is a good chef. Or asking them, you know, when are they going to be in the Food Network? They just, well, they just prepared good food. I think the term chef was something that we rarely thought of and it really only existed on television or probably some overpriced hotel out in Dubai. But the reason why I say uh, Chef Russo was different was because this was someone who had principles and ideas for for lack of a better phrase something that was really really apparent to me as I interviewed him for my college project and it's something it's a quality that I had not at the time considered critical for the food space I thought you know your job is to cook the food serve it and end of the day right Um, and and my memory of the full conversation is hazy but I do recall him being very passionate uh, when we were talking about You know, why he changes his menu daily, why food policy matters, why educating the public matters. Uh, And this was something he's been doing for many, many years. And there was actually a point where he quizzed me on a a certain chemical that was hard to pronounce. It's apparently in a lot of our food. And I, I didn't know what it was. Right. And so he says, if you, an educated college student, don't even know what it is and we're eating this on the regular, what hope do the rest of the population have? You know, and and when I stopped to really think about it, uh, Chef Russo was really just another cook. You know, he's not really better in the subjective sense than the the grizzled grill veteran slinging the best shawarma in Saudi Arabia's eastern province. I think what really made him a chef in my eyes and why I call him the first chef I've met was that he was very aware. Uh, Aware of the power of food and similarly our responsibility to the food. I think it's it's such an awareness that I find to be extremely necessary in today's world, especially when fewer and fewer people are cooking and and we've sort of created this disconnect between the food that we eat. You know, we as humans are coming into contact with each other and with food at a dizzying pace. The concept of actually even eating healthy or eating well, uh, which used to be simple and no one really talked about it, it just was, are becoming increasingly complex to understand. And the impact of how we eat is having on the way we live and interact with each other is quickly growing, whether we're conscious of such an effect or not. Now, if you do a quick Google search of just how little we understand about the food we eat, you're gonna find a lot of uh, evidence of that. You know, there's so much more information, but people are just as confused today, uh, and even more so, I would, I would argue. You know, we we read about food insecurity and various issues our food systems today face, the the virtues of the vegan diet, you know, what organic food really means. Uh, I just spent like an hour trying to find out what GMO even stands for, uh, or whether gluten really is the cause of all our problems, as you know, one of my coworkers used to think. And yet, rather than asking more questions, um, we raise our hands and ask, you know, why bother? What hope do we ever have of understanding this? You know, why don't we just share this link and Maybe I'll change my food habit for a week and call it a day. You know, like, is all of this talk about food just one big marketing ploy to get us to buy more? You know, maybe maybe ignorance is bliss, and we should really outsource our eating habits so that we could spend more time having fun. Obviously, that's a rhetorical question because I, I, I really do, do think that we should understand it. Cooking, after all, is closely linked with our survival uh, I just watched a TV show uh, called Cooked where it said that cooking is what separates men from animals. And I, I think that's a really cool way of putting it. I imagine that if the Bible was written in modern times, it would probably read that man cannot subsist on Big Macs alone. And not knowing how to at least cook a basic meal puts us at the mercy of others, be it you know the snake oil salesman who's going to promise you're going to lose 10 pounds if you eat so-and-so plant, billion-dollar corporations who are continuously engineering food so that it's more addictive for you, or the modern celebrity chefs that we worship. You know, all of these are susceptible to an already burdened food system. Another thing is that food carries our collective identities, and without some awareness of it or, or studying it, we forget just how much we share and what we've been through. You know, when people say, oh, this dish reminds me of my mom, Or this meal is something my ancestors have eaten for hundreds of years. Or this is a a variation of a dish that's unique to just my neighborhood. They're really talking about something that runs deep in their identity and consciousness. I think at the very least, cooking is a big part of what makes us human. Uh, Years from now, we are not really going to remember the seamless orders we've had. Or that bizarre coarse tasting menu we had in some secret underground meth lab. Okay, on second thought, maybe that last one we're probably going to remember. But my point is that the things when we talk about food and, and the times we've enjoyed it the most or remember it the most, it's usually times where we were gathered around a table and hearing stories about our families or sharing it with friends, sometimes strangers, where we hashed out our problems and talked about our lives, right? These all happened over meals. So that rant aside, going back to the word chef diving into the concept and what i think we should consider as a alternative definition let's go back to the origin first the word originated from the longer french term chef de cuisine it's basically the person who's the director or head of a kitchen and when you think of the word you're probably imagining someone in you know, impeccable chef's whites uh one of those tall hats i think they call them like a, a toque you know they have this cartoonish uh, curled mustache and some really sharp knives if you happen to be in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, it's, I don't know, probably like a full sleeve of tattoos, long beard, equally sharp knives, right? But my point is that the association of the word chef as someone who rises far and above the masses comes from, you know, the the hot cuisine or hot cuisine of the 19th century France. However, I don't think that cuisine represents a majority of how we do or should eat today or any day for that matter. I think... After all, how often can you afford or want to go to a three-star restaurant serving duck confit uh, with a side of aioli whipped by like a fleet of angels, right? I, I, I yes, that's completely ridiculous in image, but you get the point of the exaggeration. So, what does this say about us that only chefs know how to cook good food? One thing that I still don't get is when people call me a chef because I. I can make dinner for myself and I can sort of make it look semi-photogenic and I can cook for for a group of friends. You know, one friend, she actually, when she heard me attempting to give basic, really, really basic cooking advice to a beginner who knows nothing about cooking, just fresh out of, of college, you know, she actually interjected and said, well, you know, that's all good, but, you know, you cook different. You're a chef. And that's weird to me because our mothers who have cooked for far more people uh, for far longer and have all this experience, regardless of, you know, photogenics or, or the flair or style, you know, they're not considered chefs. And, and I think, yeah, sure, we should admire the great restaurateurs and food anthropologists and, you know, the industry giants among us. And in no way am I trying to devalue their work. But saying that only they are worthy of being called the chef is ignoring the immense power we have to influence one of the most important things in our lives, which is how, what, and why we should eat. So let's take the word chef even further back to the Latin root, and I swear I'm getting somewhere with this. The Latin root word was kaput, or I think I'm pronouncing that wrong, but it meant basically head. That's all it was. And so the chef is really just that. It's someone who is the head of his or her kitchen, regardless if he or she has a toque, a beard, a Michelin star, tattoos, whatever. Uh, Based on that very early definition of the word chef, I'd like to propose that we should all be chefs in the sense that we are the leaders of our own kitchens. That's it. Pure and simple. And so on becoming a leader, on, on that idea of being a leader of the year Kitchen, it's it's hard to argue against the role that awareness, as I had mentioned that, that Chef Lenny Russo had, especially self-awareness plays in striving to be a chef, right? There's this, uh, this saying, know thyself, that reaches back to some of the earliest philosophers, scientists, leaders, uh, religions of our world. And considering the importance of awareness, this broader definition of chef that I believe you can and should become I want to try to share with you what Chef Russo and many subsequent chefs I've met on this road have given generously to me, which is a spark of awareness. And I'd like to use this show to help you become a chef in the simplest, kindest sense of the word. And that is how to lead your own kitchen and dining rooms and to give you that control back. Right. I'm not a professional. I have not gone to culinary school. I, I don't write for a prestigious magazine nor would I consider myself an earth-shattering culinary prodigy. I've burned plenty of dishes and embarrassed myself numerous times. But it is my hope that we can learn together and get to the point where we can all confidently move, prep, dine, and think about food in an empowering and fulfilling way. right? And this is not even some hippie ideal. It's something that I really think we should do to be able to enjoy food uh, into the future. And so that, friends, is the vision I'd like to use as the foundation for this podcast. You know, you'll hear a lot of the interviews stray away from the actual just preparation, right? Because a lot of the people that we're talking to, whether they be a blogger, food justice uh, activist, an actual cook, they're all going to talk about food in the context of, of living well, right? And being leaders in their own right. I I do believe that we are all chefs, just as we are all human. And I think by becoming better chefs, we can become better humans. By having that, that awareness as the best chefs like Chef Russo out there, by knowing ourselves, maybe we can actually know each other better. And maybe, my other crazy idea, maybe if we learn how to cook well, we can also learn how to live well. So with that said, Thank you so much for listening to this first episode. I promise you that there will be other voices besides mine in upcoming episodes. I do hope you stick around. If you have any questions, concerns, ideas, or if you just want to say hi, uh, hit us up at hiddenapron at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at hidden underscore apron. And our website is hiddenapron.com. Thanks, guys, and see you on episode eight.